Hey friends, welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. And today I want to talk to you about the difference between cognitive distortions and cognitive dissonance. When we embrace one, we typically invite chaos into our lives. When we embrace the other, we typically invite order. And the problem is our emotions tell us that the flip is true. It typically tells us that the one that brings chaos will bring order and the one that brings order will bring chaos. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, so let's talk about something today that can be somewhat uh, confusing, somewhat difficult to understand, and that is the difference between cognitive distortions and cognitive dissonance. Because if you can get this difference, your life will have immensely more tools and it will feel less stressful. One of the things that, of course, we talk about a lot is stress happens to us and anxiety is how I respond to it. Uh, You don't get stressed, you are stressed, and then you can be anxious, of course. Or as William Glazer would say, you could anxietize, a term that a lot of people really get upset about. But let's talk about the difference between cognitive distortions and cognitive dissonance. I want you to think about cognitive distortions like a lens. And this is usually the example that I use for people. I will, especially if I'm in the room with them, I'll point to a whiteboard or in one of my offices, I have a white wall. And I'll point to the wall and say, what color is that wall? And I will say, okay, now imagine that I had glasses that were like goggles that went over your eyes so that you could only see through the goggles and they were orange. When you look at the white wall, what color do you see? You'll see orange because that's the only color you can see because the lenses are orange. But what color is the wall? It's actually white. But your ability to understand that it's what your ability to see it is distorted by the lens that you have on. And this is what cognitive distortions do to us. Uh, We usually, we used to call them, by we I mean therapists, we used to call them irrational thoughts that can influence your emotions. And that we all experience them, but in their more extreme forms, they can be harmful. I am concerned, I've said this before, I did a whole episode on them. I am concerned that I feel like we are moving towards making cognitive distortions the way that we think in our society, which is terrifying. And and just to remind you, if you're a longtime listener, if not, this will be a little bit new to you. They are things like magnification and minimization. So you can exaggerate or minimize the importance of something. Uh, You might believe that your achievements are unimportant, right? So like if you do something good or if you had a good review... But one of the bullet points was, you know, needs improvement. That's what you focus. Or if you had a bad review and, you you know, seven of the points were like, look, we need you to focus on this. But there was this one that was good. See, they need to give me a raise. Catastrophizing. This is seeing only the worst possible outcomes in a situation. This one's very common. Uh, Overgeneralization. You know, you make a broad interpretation from a single event or maybe a couple you just get a handful of of data points and then that becomes reality magical thinking which is the belief that acts will influence unrelated situations so you know if you're a good person bad things shouldn't happen to you or you know i want this to happen so it will Um, personalization is is the belief that you're responsible for events outside of your own control 
Uh, it can also be that anything someone else does, and this goes with the next one, jumping to conclusions, has to be interpret, has to be directed at you, which comes to jumping to conclusions, uh, which means we'll come to a conclusion without with little or no evidence. And, and our brains will do this because we don't want to live in cognitive dissonance, which I'm going to get to in a minute, right? But essentially what happens is you have one piece of information and a feeling. And you don't really understand everything because there's a gap in between those two. Or you have two pieces of information, this is even worse, and a feeling, and you don't like the feeling. Your brain fills in the gap regardless of whether or not it's accurate with its filling it in. It gives you what we call a cognitive reward. In other words, you get happy juices from your brain and and then you move on and, and you've just jumped to a conclusion without any evidence to suggest it. And we do this a lot with feelings today. I feel it so it's true. Under jumping to conclusions, there's two uh, sub subcategories, and that's mind reading and fortune telling, and and that's the belief that you can read somebody else's mind. And we think this. I have yet to meet a person who doesn't think they're good at reading other people. And in reality, almost all data shows us that very few people are actually good at reading other people. Fortune telling is the expectation that a situation will turn out one way or the other without adequate evidence emotional reasoning. This one happens all the time. My emotions reflect the way things really are. I feel it. So it's true. Disqualifying the positive. This is very uh, concurrent with magnification and minimization. So we just disqualify the positive, recognizing only negative aspects of a situation. We we tend to do this with people. Uh, Should statements. This used to be taught as a person at should statements. This is the one that I, I can be a little sketchy. Because there are should statements that are true, and this is why we have to kind of live with that dissonance that we're going to talk about in a minute. But there are a lot of should statements that are not true. And then the one that kind of wins all the time, and if you know this one, you're going to laugh at what I just did. If you don't, you're going to think, why is he wasting my time with this sidebar? All or nothing thinking. Thinking in absolutes such as always, never, or every. It's either all this or all that. That can also be called black and white thinking. It's either all black or all white, which just is very rarely how life works. These distortions seek to bring us peace. They seek to make the complicated messiness of life orderly. They seek to make everything make sense. And if you've lived past the age of one, you know that not everything in life makes sense. And these distortions seek to bring us typically a false peace. They will typically, you will feel better in the moment, but over time it actually works against us because they can rarely, in fact, I don't know that they ever do, but I'm trying to avoid all or nothing thinking. They can rarely hold up when scrutinized. And so we put something in as... uh, this distortion, we put this lens over it and we try to make it all make sense. And I see this, I see this regularly with my clients. I see this regularly in, in life, to be honest. I even hear it in commercials. They'll often use cognitive distortions to evoke emotions in people to buy things. Because the thing with distortions is even though they might bring us peace or, or, or false peace, they might bring us uh, what we think is is order and sense so they help things make sense they can evoke very strong emotions in a negative way and you'll hear emotional reasoning all the time when you start listening to political arguments when you start listening to political arguments and if you ask them and if you listen to earlier episodes one of the questions that 
I think is a great tool is this idea of tell me more about that. You can you can pivot a little bit and, and ask people, okay, well, what does that mean? And, and to be honest, so when couples come to see me, often there is a great temptation for them to be caught up in emotional reasoning. And we live in a world where mental health terms have become very ubiquitous in, in modern language, even if they're used incorrectly. And so I was working with a couple one time and the one person was like, well, I just feel like he gaslights me all the time. Okay, awesome. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? Because I need to know, is that an emotional reasoning or is that actually what, you know, is this person actually experiencing gaslighting? And when you start to run that out, one of the things that I really feel mental health therapists have done poorly is we have communicated a mixed message of just because you feel something doesn't make it true. To some extent, I don't know any therapist that doesn't communicate that somewhere, somehow. And certainly I'll give you the example that I think would prove it almost every time. When you talk to someone who's done violence, their reasoning will often be in the moment I felt like I had to. And we're not talking about somebody defending themselves or or defending their country or anything like that, you know, stopping a bank robbery. We're talking about domestic violence or something like that. If you talk to people guilty of domestic violence, they will often tell you, I was disrespected, so I had to. And what they're saying is, I was disrespected, so I felt like I had to. And I don't know a single therapist that will say, oh, well, okay, then, then that's what you should have done. And yet there are many, 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 many things going on in our world right now where if someone says, I feel, fill in the blank, finish the sentence, those same therapists will be like, absolutely, you're the expert in your story, you should do that. And here's why, because there is a rub and it's called cognitive dissonance. And what cognitive dissonance does is it seeks to live in the tension. Cognitive dissonance is holding at least two things to be true that seem to be contradictory. And so this starts to get really awful. And so I'm anti-spanking. I've never, I've, no, I've not hidden that in a long time. I wasn't always anti-spanking, but over the years I've, I've come to that conclusion. And often pro spankers will say to me, well, I spanked and my kids turned out okay, or I was spanked and I turned out okay. Okay, cool. That, that's not actually an argument because then all I'd have to do is find two people that were spanked and didn't turn out okay, or two people who were not spanked and did turn out okay, and we're even. What we're actually doing is I'm saying I believe that it is wrong to spank your kids, and you can do it, and they can still turn out okay. In fact, I'd go so far as to say you can disagree with me and still be a good parent. And I know that those seem contradictory, but that's cognitive dissonance. I don't have to make sense of everything. That's embracing cognitive dissonance. Sports. I was just thinking about this uh, this weekend. I was talking to someone, and they were telling me, how uh, they had to they had to recruit their neighbor. So I think there's four kids. I'm trying to think. I think there's four kids. So one kid had one game, one place. The next kid had another game, another place. The third kid had another game, another place. And the fourth kid had another place. So four kids. I think it's four kids. It might be five. I think it's four. Four kids, four locations. So mom takes first kid. Dad takes second kid. Uh, grandparents take third kid. Other grandparents are out of town, so neighbor takes fourth kid. And I was like, well, you know, at least when the games are over, you'll be able to all get together, right? Oh, no, because we're going to turn around and do it all again on Sunday. So that was Saturday, they were telling me. We're going to turn around and do it all again on Sa- on Sunday. Okay, well, like Sunday night, you guys can get together. 
No. Okay, well, Monday you could hang out. No. Okay, so I just want to clarify here. Your, your whole weekend's going to sports. Yes. Is this every weekend? Yes. Can we just admit that the way we're doing sports isn't working? Because guess why these people came to me? Their kids are bitter with them. They're not getting along. Their family is disintegrating. Now, here's the thing. I can believe that the way we're doing sports is wrong. And there's probably many, many families who are doing it well. Because sports aren't the problem. Doing sports isn't the problem. I was looking for an email. Somebody wrote me last year when I talked about this that I was probably a dirty Democrat. And oh, I wanted to read the email so bad because it was so funny. It made me laugh because it totally... Sorry, Cadence, if you're listening. It didn't make me laugh. It invited me to laugh. It didn't, it, it totally embraced, I mean, probably seven or eight cognitive distortions and refused to live in the cognitive dissonance of, I think how we're doing sports is literally destroying families. It's just wrecking families. And it's, it's driven by fear. It's driven sometimes by greed because my kid's going to get a scholarship and blah, 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 blah. But most of the time it's just driven by that's the way everybody else does it. And I don't want to do it differently because I don't want to be a f- the one to be made fun of. Or, or I'm afraid. I, I heard about grit. And if I don't make my kids do hard things, they won't be productive adults. Except that we have, we have copious amounts of data. And most kids are not learning character from sports anymore. Based on the data. But if you don't believe me, read uh, One Way to Win. That, that'll just start you on it. If you're willing to buy research, there's a ton of research out there. You just have to pay for it. And... I believe that sports can be one of the greatest ways to teach character to our kids, to teach our kids how to do hard things. That's cognitive dissonance. Distortions seek to make everything make sense. They want a neat, packaged, very manageable world, right? Because if everything is all this or all that, it's all this or it's none of that, that's simple. Dissonance recognizes and, dare I say, embraces that the world doesn't make sense. It rarely makes sense. The people we love the most, we often hurt the most. And reality is, that doesn't mean that you didn't love them. I hate the phrase, well, a mistake once is a mistake, twice it's a choice. No, because sometimes we do things without thinking. There's dissonance there. At some point, it certainly becomes a choice. But is it really that binary, just one or the other? There are hard questions that we have to answer about how we're going to live in this world. That's dissonance. The idea that I can, I cannot dislike something you do and still love you is, is from a cognitive distortion of all or nothing thinking. Dissonance says I can love you and still be really frustrated with something you're doing and still totally think something you're doing is wrong. The idea that you don't love me if you tell me something that I feel bad about is, is emotional reasoning. Dissonance is the reality that if you love me, there are going to be things that you tell me because you love me that I will feel bad about because I will recognize that the path that I was on wasn't taking me where I thought it was going to. And who doesn't feel bad about that? Anytime we try to make the world make perfect sense, we're probably engaging in a distortion. And you might say, Joe, that sounds like all or nothing thinking. And I know it does. But I struggle to find an example where someone tries to make the world make perfect sense where they didn't engage in a cognitive distortion. And often it's because their emotions were high. When I listen to arguments over things, anything from school boards and and what they should be doing or not doing to our politicians, to 
um, whether or not we should hunt. I once had a person tell me that we shouldn't eat store-bought meat because on beef factories, which I asked, I said, well, wait, where are beef factories? Because most come from, come from cattle farms or ranches. But because on these beef factories, they would make the cows eat until the cow threw up. And here's the thing. This person really believed this. In fact, I think I misspoke earlier when I said we shouldn't eat store-bought meat. I think they were arguing that we shouldn't eat any meat because if I remember correctly, they asked me if I'd eat a cat. And I I said to this person, I said, whoa, 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 hold up. They don't make them throw up. That is how cows digest their food. And she looked at me seriously, as serious as a heart attack and said to me, that's not true. And I said, no, actually it is true. That's why the phrase chewing the cud came up because they puke it up and then they chew that again, puke it up and then they chew it again. They've got more than one stomach and that's how their digestive system works and blah, 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 blah. That person had some information that that also was tied to a feeling that she didn't like and that's totally understandable. Her brain filled in a gap for her with false information, but it created a better feeling for her so she ran with it. And it was all based on a distortion. This is why I like the example of the goggles, because imagine if a person said, well, we can't hang that picture because of this color not matching orange. Well, the wall isn't orange. It's white. No, no, no. It's orange because that's what I see. Yeah, but if we can take that goggle off, if we can remove that lens, you can see that it's actually white. This is why it's so important to question our feelings. This is why it's so important to be introspective and ask ourselves, what's driving whatever I'm feeling? I hear this conversation all the time, especially with single parents going through a divorce where the other parent really doesn't spend much time helping the child think through things and how those things might affect who they want to become. So often in a divorce, especially if you're talking about teenagers, if there's substance abuse evolved in in the parental structure, the kids will act out. Uh, The kids will do things that are not reflective of who the parents want them to be. And probably when they're in their 20s or 30s and they look back, those actions will not be reflective of who they want to be. Or if there's a situation where one parent is uh, very critical, maybe they're together and they're critical, but often this is in a divorce situation. And the parent that is trying to help kids think through things is often feels really stuck because their kids are doing things that they don't want them to do when they're like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Help me understand what's going on here. Tell me more about this. Rather than engaging the conversation, the kid explodes, uses intensity, or they withdraw using intensity. And what happens is the parent feels like they're failing. And often I'll say to them, you can be doing a great job as a parent and your kid can still be acting and reacting in ways that does not reflect that because that's cognitive dissonance. The idea that if I'm doing it right, my kids will be doing what I, what I think is best for them and maybe even what I know is best for them. They won't be engaging in bad behaviors. That is a cognitive distortion. The idea that you can control, can control what your kids do. Cognitive distortion. Cognitive dissonance. Yes, you're responsible for your kids, at least till they're 18, uh, for what they do to some extent. You're responsible for what you do. You certainly are the biggest influencer and shaper of what they will become as adults, and they can still do things that are not congruent with how you tried to raise them. And it might not be, have it might not have anything to do with how you raise them. That is cognitive dissonance. Are you embracing cognitive distortions today or cognitive dissonance? That's what this whole episode's about. I was in session with someone who was just struggling and I said, yeah, but you keep using cognitive distortions. Instead, you have to embrace the dissonance of life. I was like, whoa, 
That'll make a good podcast. So here it is. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed researching it and writing it. Are you trying to make sense of all the things in life that don't make sense? Or are you embracing the reality that there are a lot of things in life that just don't make perfect sense? Let me know. Write me. Tell me what you thought. You can reach me, joe at joemartino.com. You can reach me on all the socials. Reach me through my office, whatever. Send me an email. Let me know. Tweet at me. Do whatever. Is it tweet or is it X at me now? How does that work? Anyhow, my ADHD. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with three of your friends. Hit the share button. Hit the subscribe button. There's a lot of great things coming down the pipe. Uh, This fall, we started a men's group that meets Saturday morning in my office. I I want to really start talking about that a little bit more. We're going to get to that. We've got books coming in the future. But share this with your friends. Put it up on Facebook. Put it up on your socials. Just tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is awesome. We purposely keep advertisers out of this so that we can just talk about whatever it is we want to talk about. And by we, I mean me there. Although my wife and daughters uh, do have quite a bit of input. All right, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.